What does it mean to forget, to truly forget? How does memory actually work? How does Lacuna operate with only four people on the fucking staff? And Joe, have we had this conversation already? I can't remember. I think this podcast just fully needs to become about us investigating businesses within movies <laughs> and like how their business models are profitable. That this set this upteenth time that I've seen this, this go around, I was like, how, how are they keeping their doors open? How are they even doing anything without located legal? in the worst part of town above a subway? Probably yeah. is the most groundbreaking technological advancement mankind has ever seen. Yeah. I want to look at their books. I want to see uh, who they're paying off. Um, let's look at all those questions and more on today's episode where we discuss <laughs> The Cerebral Mindfuck, 2004's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. We are the Uncultured Cinematic Universe, the podcast where two friends show each other movies, shows, or anything else that we damn well please that we think the other one should see or experience. Um, I'm Justin, your host, and with me in the Uncultured Hot Seat is Joe. Joe, what's up? Uh, we watched Eternal Sunshine uh, this past week, and this was your first time. What did you think? The the sunshine. It is it is so eternal. <laughs> uh. <laughs> you can't stop this sunshine. <laughs> um, this is a movie for all you guys and girls out there who have fucking gone through a breakup. Yeah, yeah. This, this is, is this is breakup movie. This is a movie, it's one of those movies that I'm always like, oh, this is like a Black Mirror episode. And then I'm like, Joe, stop comparing every basic sci-fi concept to Black Mirror because this came out like 10 years before. However, um, <laughs> it is it is very much in that same vein of like, you think this technological quick fix is going to solve your problems, but that's going to circle around and... Because you didn't put in the work, uh, yeah. this is you're going to learn a lesson here. Yeah, uh, it's, technology is it's not your friend. In, yeah, in this way, it's definitely not. I'm glad I'm glad you brought up the Black Mirrorness of it all because mm -hmm. we'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, this is sci-fi, uh, romantic, uh, comedic kind of stuff. It's a, it's an interesting jumble, but I think it nestles um, nicely just into like the indie category. You know, I. I love the genre of like subtle sci-fi. Um, so like um, the 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 sci-fi elements uh, in this movie are kind of almost. I mean, it's it's the concept of the movie, obviously, but it's much more about the emotional connection between these two characters, actually, and the the sci-fi elements, like the actual machines that they're working with to like. Uh, block his memory they're working on like an old linux like they're they're <laughs> yeah. working on like a ti-85 calculator or something like it's, it's essentially it's this like unexplainable series of buttons and stuff and they put like a colander on his head and they it's basically like we're, we're calling this uh science <laughs> this is science you guys <laughs> they're in long island new york they're you know throw caution to the wind we're we're here to serve Heaven a purpose on and on earth <laughs> Ooh, baby, do you know what that's worth? Mm. <laughs> this movie, Eternal Sunshine, is part of our November series. We're going back to wild cards because uh, this is a wild card month um, once again. Uh, so, Joe, you informed uh, me last episode or whatever that 
um, you're not going to be here for most of November. It's going to be a Justin month. <laughs> it's just me. Um, so it was just like, fuck it. You know, let's do, let's do more of um, just whatever the hell we want. Uh, and I think next episode, we're going to bring Ryan back on and we're going to do something else there. I've got an, I've got an idea or two. Um, I'm, I'm so excited. Do you, do you have the movie that you're going to show her? And can you reveal at the end of the episode? I no? will. I will. Yet? I will. Yeah. I'll, you picked I'll, it. I have picked it. Uh, based honestly, like uh, a TikTok that you sent me or an Instagram reel that you sent me uh, earlier in the week, just set it, set it over the line. Um, and we'll talk about that. Oh my God. Is it, is it what I'm thinking? <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Amazing. You guys, this is great. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so this was just like a random out of pocket kind of choice to do eternal sunshine. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, let me run through some film stats and we'll kind of just jump right in, right on board to it. Uh, this movie was released March 19th, 2004, directed by Michel Gondry, a French mm -hmm. director, uh, French filmmaker. Uh, his other notable pieces, contributions to the film bubble is uh, Science of... His oeuvre. Is, is that O-U-R-V-E? Probably. Sure. Or is there an A in there? I bet. Uh, is this movie called The Science of Sleep? I don't know if you saw it, but we'll talk about it in a second. And the Green Hornet, which had like Seth Rogen as like a superhero kind of a thing. Eternal Sunshine could also be called the Science of Sleep. Like they they could swing that title. They could. It could go either way. Uh, but this this movie's title is just so badass. It's so iconic because it's insanely long, but it's really it cool. rocks. It rules uh, so hard. Um, this movie was written by Charlie Kaufman, uh, who also wrote Being John Malkovich, an adaptation. Yeah, uh, he's. He's where the subtle sci-fi comes into play here. Yeah, right. It's just kind of, yeah, it definitely has vibes of being John Malkovich of just like, I don't know, here's this weird concept and just go with it. Don't ask questions. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind starring Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet, Kirsten Dunst, Mark Ruffalo, Elijah Wood, and Tom Wilkinson. And also uh, some scenes were shot, but it were ultimately cut. Ellen Pompeo was supposed to be in this movie as well. Ellen Pompeo, pre-Grays? Pre-Grays. Uh, yeah, pre-Grays, like a year before Grays, you know? What uh, a breakout this would have been. Yeah. Uh, she was playing the part of Naomi. Uh, I, I was wondering if, like, she would come in at a certain point, but then I was like, oh, they're just, it's a fully unseen character in this movie. Yeah, they did. They did a scene and they're like, this undercuts the whole story between Joel and Clementine. So like, just sorry, Ellen, better luck next time. You know, your big break will come. And it did next year. <laughs> and she's been they're like, you're checks. done in this town. And she like goes on to have 20 years of television. Phenomenal success. I know. Right. <laughs> um, uh, found this out. And this this kind of this put a downer uh, uh, amidst the other downers that this movie is. Uh, Nick Cage was considered for the lead for the lead, and that would have been the absolute wrong choice. Yeah. I can I can believe that. I he he was in adaptation, which Kaufman did. I believe yeah. he's like okay. a star of that. Uh, uh, who else is in that? Uh, it's um, that's like Meryl Streep. Okay, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Uh, that would have ruined the movie for me. Uh, also, so Nick Cage was originally like the first flagpole, and they were like, "We got to get Nick." on the line, but scheduling conflicts, he couldn't quite do it. Uh, so they're like, you know who else should do this instead of Nick Cage? How about Denzel Washington? Let's get Denzel oh, that, on the line. That I can't imagine. And Denzel turned down the role. He's like, I don't understand what's going on in the script. 
I'm gone. I'm out of here. And then Jim Carrey reluctantly took on the role of a lifetime. I think this is up there. This is up there in terms of uh, uh, just his performances uh, for me. Let me let me say something about Jim Carrey, because obviously star of the movie, along with Kate Winslet, uh, such like a important part of culture, particularly for our generation. Um, I realized after watching this, like I have not actually seen many Jim Carrey movies like he's always like been around, but I haven't seen any of the Ace Ventura movies. I haven't seen any of the Dumb and Dumber movies. I have I've seen the Truman Show maybe once a long time ago in like pieces. So like I I went into this thinking like, yeah, it's Jim Carrey. Like I've I've obviously know Jim Carrey. And then I was like, do I know Jim Carrey? Because like my closest connection is like the Grinch, probably. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you've never seen Liar Liar either? No. no. <gasps> uh, Joe, I'm know. just adding these to the list. Maybe it was just like Jim Carrey became a genre in and of himself that my parents were just like, uh, it's it's too much. It's like. You got kids who can watch SpongeBob and kids who aren't allowed to watch SpongeBob. And I was definitely the latter. Um, <laughs> there's nothing hard. There's absolutely harmlessness. There's, there's a there's a manicness to it. Sure. Um, and that's why you are so even keel and turned out just. Pristine. I'm the most stable person. I know absolutely. Yeah. Follow my lead. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. I've added three movies to the list of things Joe's <laughs> never seen. Uh, this is incredible. Um, yeah, I think this is an interesting um, role for him. And we'll, we'll circle back to, to, to Jim Carrey. We'll, we'll stick a pin in that. But um, budget of $20 million, box office of $74 million, Did pretty oh, yeah. good. Did pretty good. Um, so the title of the film, uh, as demonstrated by Kirsten Dunst's Mary character, uh, is a part, like a quote from a poem by Alexander Pope. Uh, Pope Alexander. Pope Alexander. The most famous Pope of them all, some would say. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, Aloisa to Abelard. What uh, what language? Is I, don't that? I don't know. Is it it was German? from 1717. I have no idea. They but, didn't speak anything back then. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the how happy is the blameless vestals locked? The world forgetting by the world forgot? Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Each prayer accepted. And each wish resigned. Amazing, super cool. What? Uh, what is it? What do we think it's actually saying there? Like it's essentially like ignorance is bliss. Like if 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 you ain't thinking, you ain't crying. Basically, right? Yeah. So how happy is the blameless? Right? The blameless vestals. You know, just the blameless person, uh, the pure person, the world mm-hmm. forgetting by the world forgot. You know, cutting off but being forgotten, kind of a thing. Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Spotless being clean. Right. Uh, and by having a clean mind, uh, you are just promised eternal bliss, right? Eternal sunshine uh, with each prayer accepted and each wish resigned. So um, pretty cool. You know, fil- uh, uh, literature 101, maybe. Um, Justin, like, I want to see you do like Shakespeare or something one day. You'd, you'd be good at that. You know what? I did have fun just thinking back uh, last year when we were doing uh, Young Frankenstein and kind of reciting uh, his soliloquy or his monologue or whatever <laughs> as the, the the platform is rising as he gives life to the to the monster. So great. Give this monster life. Yeah. Um Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Perfect title for this movie in particular. But I love that 
you know, the movie is essentially proving you you need the rain a little bit like the sunshine yeah. is nice, but it's it's you By are comparison. you are not living fully if you go through a breakup in this case and you don't fully feel your feelings. It's about it's it's a connection to Megan, our previous episode <gasps> in, yeah. in October. Like you have to go through these things. You can't just like be distracted or you can't, in this case, get your memory wiped uh, of all the bad feelings. You have to feel them. Yeah, uh, that's to, the shortcut. It's they the become part of you. Yeah, you have to. You have to learn from it. Uh, otherwise, as as kind of demonstrated by the central character's relationship, you're doomed to repeat it forever and ever. Hmm. Um, uh, really, really wonderful stuff. And I can't wait to dig into the meat and potatoes of this movie. Uh, so this movie won Best Original Screenplay at the 77th Academy Awards, Joe. I know you just nom that up. Makes uh, sense. Uh, and also Kate Winslet was was nominated for Best Actress in that. Um, their nominations for the Golden Globes were Best Picture, Best Screenplay, Best Actor and Actress, both Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. Do they give it drama or comedy? Uh, musical or comedy. Weird. Okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's like a little silly at times. That's um, funny. Yeah. There's, there's some funny parts, but I think that's more of a drama. Um, but I think maybe the Jim Carrey, it's a low key Jim Carrey, but even that is like normal comedy for anyone else. So uh, true. Maybe, so they're like, just oh, kind of comes out in the wash there. Yeah. It's a comedy. Um, yeah. So the idea for this film came from Michel Gondry and co-writer Pierre Bismuth. Bismuth had conceived of the idea of erasing certain people from other people's minds in response to a friend that was complaining to him uh, about her uh, ex-boyfriend. Uh, when asked if she would erase that boyfriend from her memory, she said, absolutely, yes, I would. Um, <laughs> and Bismuth actually originally planned to conduct an art experiment involving sending random cards to people saying someone they knew had erased them from their memory. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> which which ends up being in the movie, essentially. Like, these people are sending out little paper cards that are like, hey, please don't talk to this person ever again. Thank they you. They don't know who you are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> L- from this business you've never heard of. Like, they're... they're I want to sh- see the Yelp reviews for Lenovo or whatever this business is called. Lenovo. <laughs> uh, it's Lacuna. Lacuna. Uh, Lacuna Matata. <laughs> is what the movie should be called i'm sure it was passed around um i think lacuna is like you can look at like greek or latin or something like that and i think it means like void um which is pretty interesting hey makes sense the absence of something lacuna um super cool um so i think last episode before we introduced what we were going to do next i said that this movie to me feels like a spiritual brethren to lost in translation I was thinking that too. Yeah, it feels like we could do this as a little bit of a Valentine's Day episode. Yeah, right. Uh, Because there is like that romance aspect to it. And it's anchored by a historically comedic lead. uh, Mm -hmm. uh, With Lost in Translation, you have Bill Murray. With this, you have Jim Carrey. Doing very like different roles than what they typically do. Um, And I think they're the better for it. I I love... um, you know, more traditional comedians taking on more dramatic roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's the typical like art school performance theater kind of thing of, you know, you can't have the drama without the comedy kind of a thing. Uh, and I think it really pays off in, in dividends uh, uh-huh. for them. 
uh, this movie. Go ahead. I mean, it's these these two people finding each other or in some cases refining each other and kind of figuring out where they are alike and different uh, coming from vastly different worlds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and it's and it's wonderful to kind of see it unfurl. Um, This movie also feels like Garden State to me Mm. in a sense of like seeking purpose, uh, obvious mental illness present. (laughs) Um, Very aimless male protagonist. Yeah. uh, And then the manic pixie dream girl uh, uh, secondary lead, uh, which we'll talk about later. Um, This movie kind of also to me feels, did you ever see her with Joaquin Phoenix? Yeah. Yes. Same kind of thing. Like, sci-fi adjacent but it's more about love and relationships that one's way more science fiction but same mm-hmm. kind of thing indie feel um really interesting camera angles and and, and use of art uh there very um, handheld cameras very handheld yeah uh and did you ever see the other movie that this director did the science of sleep that we talked about at the top no tell me about it so this that movie's from 2006 and that stars gael garcina uh, garcia bernal uh, uh yeah he's 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 a young a young whippersnapper in that movie uh and he you know he looks good in that movie little little tiny snack pick him up and chew on him (laughs) uh also charlotte gainsburg is in it it's a really interesting movie it's about like dreams and like whimsy and this guy is pining after this french girl and he has like real tangible daydreams and it feels kind of like that where it's um it's very handheldy it's very um sci-fi adjacent it's very uh, uh dreamy indie kind of thing uh, super cool movie we'll add it to the list for next year or something like that it's 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 really fun um but it also feels like that but go figure because it's also done by michelle uh, gondry as well so, yeah i wanted to talk about like how the dream logic in this movie stacks up to other ones obviously like i kept thinking about inception uh throughout this movie inception is very much more about like the actual mechanics of what we're doing here and let's go to a deeper level and let's go back to this other level. Whereas this movie, again, we mentioned they have like, there's like instruments at play here that they're hooking him up to, to kind of go into his brain, but then it becomes, it's very much like just him. And it's more about like reliving his memories and not so much about dream. Correct. Yeah. That's what I was going to bring up. Like, Inception is more about dreams and ideas and, you know, dream uh, interpretation, that kind of stuff versus just like core memory stuff. And how do you how do you revisit a memory? Uh, One thing Mm -hmm. that I wish they kind of would have touched on touch more on is just like um, uh, uh, like unreliable memory, uh, that kind of thing. Like your own memory is essentially scrubbed and rewritten by yourself as time goes on. So like Mm -hmm. the original memory that you have of something that you did 20 years ago is probably vastly different just by sheer nature of how just the memory bank works in your brain. And there's, there's again, like subtle CGI uh, in this movie that I really loved. Uh, And it, especially in the dream sequences, the way that they portray things kind of like breaking down or him, like remembering or forgetting things or him being in certain areas where like he couldn't see certain things. And so uh, there's, there's very nicely inserted uh, computer generated moments um, that don't look awkward for being what, like, is this 2003, 2004, 2004. Yeah, and I think some of that can be explained away because it's kind of like in your brain, kind of like as a dream would be, kind of like 
when he's trying to confront Patrick in the bookstore and like he's trying to turn him around, but like you can't yep. turn him around. It's just continue the back of, back of his head. And kind of terrifying, how, but like very cool. And you're like, okay, that is kind of how a dream would work if I'm trying to confront somebody, but I've never seen their face before. Or the other scene um, where he's like chasing her down the street and the cars are falling and he keeps mm-hmm. like chasing her down the street, but it keeps being like the mirrored reflection mm-hmm. where he's going and he's like, I, I'm just, I just left that spot, but it's, it's cyclical like a dream. It's very cool. I, I wanted to scream at him. Just like, just keep looking forward. You keep looking up and then that's how they switch it on you. Like, just look forward at her. Yeah. Um, like, what are you doing? <laughs> so <idiot>. frustrating. <laughs> um, I, I, I love the subtle touches towards the end where things, obviously things like, kind of fall apart like you get the whole inception oh the dream is collapsing and stuff and so they're in this house at the end and everything's kind of falling apart but that starts earlier when they're like running through a train station and you get the shot from the trailer that we just saw where people are just kind of like popping in and out of existence uh, Mm -hmm. until it's just them because he's essentially traveling through his own memories as they are being erased that is the the, that's the concept of this film i mean we 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 should probably do the plot description but like that that's what it is yeah that is is where i was going next that is my next big thing but another note i wanted to say let's make a quick tangent over here on on trailer trailerville we had one of our videos on youtube fucking erased what it got taken down um not not of copyright stuff I think so. Not a vi- not the visual and the audio only of our uh-huh. Howl's Moving Castle episode got taken down. Uh, so we have one strike against our account, <laughs> uh, which is pretty cool. It's pretty badass. We made it. Um, so with that said, moving forward, <laughs> let's tread lightly, you know, um, but that's really on me. Uh, so uh, moving forward, like we're not going to play like ripped versions of the uh the trailers or whatever that's on youtube or whatever i'm just gonna take clips or whatever and make something of my own trailer that trailer we watched at the top your boy did it oh that was really nice i was gonna say that like that 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 felt like a very early 2000s trailer kind of fitting the vibe i i kind of wanted like a song from the fray to start playing or something <laughs> like that how to save a life <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or or just cut in Coco's "Remember Me." Oh, you know? but yeah. So original composition, original editing of video, that kind of stuff. That was me. So moving forward, that's what we're going to be doing. No more it's, copyright issues here, my friends. It's art. Yeah, let's not go to jail over this podcast. I would die for this. Yes, podcast, Joe. <laughs> uh, all right, Joe. I'm going to give you the indomitable task of uh doing the plot of this very complicated spaghetti of a movie um are you prepared to do that at this moment oh yeah okay i'm gonna give you one one minute 60 seconds to do the plot of eternal sunshine of the spotless mind go Joel and Clementine have broken up. Joel is kind of a loner, a uh, weird guy he's been dating Clementine Clementine's kind of um uh very impulsive kind of has like manic energy about her they have a fight they break up clementine goes and has this like experimental procedure done where she has joel erased from her memories joel finds out and he does the same thing and most of the movie takes place in his memories as he's going backwards through them to the very first moment he met clementine he is able to converse with her in these memories and kind of figure out what went right what went wrong about their relationship as uh they are falling these memories are being erased around him There's kind of a B plot happening where the 
office people who are doing the erasing are like going insane in his apartment and stressing me out. And they themselves are dealing with the ramifications of this technology and whether or not it is ultimately a good thing to erase people who have hurt you or like represented uh, big parts of your life that maybe are no longer there. Yep. Love it. Amazing. I can't wait to talk about the lacuna employees because holy fuck. <laughs> I, <laughs> my second bullet point uh, as I was taking notes on this movie was just nightmare people. These are all nightmare people stressing me out. Um, I, I, I grew an appreciation of it all towards the end. But in the beginning, I was like, if I was in a room with any of these people, I would just be so stressed out. Maybe Tom Wilkinson and Kirsten Dunst. Uh, they'd be fine. Yeah, but but Elijah Wood is like the creepiest, what? worst What a little monster. rat toad boy. I know. He is... <laughs> He's looking more like like Gollum and Schmeagel in this in this flick than because uh, he's fresh off the the uh, the Lord of the Rings boat at, at two thousand in two thousand four. I'm sorry, I just I don't want to ever see him in anything that's not Lord of the Rings. <laughs> uh, he's great in so much other stuff, but but we'll circle back to that. I know, uh, but yeah, he, he's honestly the worst part of this movie because he's so slimy. And just mm -hmm. the absolute worst person to be around. Everyone else is fantastic, I think. Well, I mean, you you follow the logic of like, what if a company like this actually existed? And of course, one of the employees would be trying to take advantage of these people and like sleep with Kate Winslet after her memory is erased and he knows so much about her, but she doesn't know anything about him. Um, <laughs> of course, so the lead doctor would be banging the secretary who's had her memory wiped a bunch like what the hell what what doesn't make sense to me well i guess it 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 falls in line with like the style and the vibe of this movie that like there's like a dingy office place that they're going to there's like four people total who work here they have a million clients who are constantly wanting to get their memories erased there's there's a woman in the waiting room i remember who's like clearly trying to erase memories of her dog which i thought it's was really the sad. saddest thing <laughs> she's got like bowls and stuff it's really sad but then you realize that like not only are they like workers at this office, the office looks like a dental office, basically. Right. They also perform the procedure. And so the way the procedure works is they go to Jim Carrey's house. They like knock him out. They put him in this. They put this like colander thing on his head. And then, then they, they monitor the memory erasure and it's Mark Ruffalo and uh, Elijah Wood. And they there's, Something about the energy and how they move. I kept on being like, they're, they're like, there's so much banging into things in this movie. There's so much like discordant sounds. I was yeah. like, this movie is purposefully trying to stress me out so much. And You're then eventually Mark, <laughs> Mark Ruffalo is like partying with Kirsten Dunst, who he's kind of dating. And they're just like jumping on the bed while Jim Carrey is just lying there. It's so weird and stressful. It's, it is. It is. The whole movie is very like this is slightly dream logic. This is five percent heightened than what actual reality is. But then it all kind of comes together at the end, and I hated how much I ended up liking it. Good, uh, yeah. So fucking <laughs> <laughs> good. Um, it is. It is always a joy where we share movies with each other, and we're like, this was a delight. Um, so when you look at the employees of of Lacuna Inc. Um, I think it's an interesting 
realistic view of like a small business of people like just fucking around. They're there to, they're doing this very precise, harmful, you know, long-term psyche damage Mm -hmm. type of work to people. But they're like eating their food. They're going through their pantries. They're smoking and drinking on the job. They don't give uh, a fuck. They're the worst. But also, I think that there's some there's some honesty and some truth in that. I think if there was like a small business like that that operated, of course, people would be going through other people's shit. Uh, if you're in yeah. that house, you know. I mean, we're, we're we're jumping all around, but like the that kind of little sub B plot of the employees of the company and what they're doing the entire night. This, this movie basically takes place over a night of memories, right? Yes. And so like Jim carries asleep for most of it. And then what the employees are doing culminates in, Oh, like we, we've lost Jim Carrey in his own mind. They have to call in and like wake up their boss. Who's Tom Wilkinson. Tom Wilkinson comes uh, and he's like doing some computer wizardry to get Jim Carrey back. Uh, Kirsten Dunst clearly has like a crush on him. She's the receptionist of the office. Uh, she wants him to listen to her talk about like quotes and famous like sayings and stuff. That's where you get the eternal sunshine bit. Um, she's so great in this. And then you, uh, get to the point where like she makes a pass at him. They're kind of kissing and then he's like, Oh God. And then, I did not see it coming. I should have seen it coming. His wife comes, Tom Wilkinson's wife comes and is like all mad at him. She's like, this is it. This is the last time. Like, and then fucking twist alert. This has already happened before. This is like, this is where the movie is like most a sci-fi movie to me. Mm -hmm. And I would say like the, the way it kind of like sets up this twist is trying to surprise you. Like Kirsten Dunst has gone through the procedure and she has already tried to forget Tom Wilkinson, which doesn't make sense because why would she go back and work at the same place anyway? Um, but I like sat up in my couch and I was like, ah, they got me, you know, like they, they this 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 concept was used so so brilliantly in that way, I thought. Yeah, used um, on the employees themselves, like the mm-hmm. the betrayal kind of thing of just but then also it's just like, oh, of course, right? That well, would it, right? it it sets up the idea that like you think there's kind of like these two different storylines happening where like Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet are going through this whole like memory emotional story and then the employees are kind of fucking around but they both come to the same conclusion where it's like this this technology this this concept of like memory erasure to kind of get the bad stuff out of your brain mm-hmm. ultimately doesn't work because you're you always you're drawn back. back to the people anyway and it, it hurts all the more. Uh, when you come back or it, and if you know about it after the fact, like if it's revealed mm-hmm. to you like Kirsten Dunst is or how um, how she kind of blows up the whole business model at the end of the movie where she sends everyone's it. tapes. It's so really great. cool. It's really cool. It's scorched earth. But uh, that's that <laughs> is, like, that is we, we we fucked up. You should all have your memories back. Yeah. Releasing chaos upon this small community, which I'm assuming they serve like this. This only happens in uh, the Tri-County area. <laughs> yeah, Long, Long Island. Long Island. Long Island. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. larger country does not know about this technology yet. Yet. In this in the sequel. Like more <laughs> e- eternally sunshine of the extra spotless mind. Uh, would have been crazy. I wrote down uh, when Kirsten Dunst is like just watching Tom Wilkinson work and she's clearly for flirting him. I was like, huge. Look at your dad keeping bees energy. Um, 
<laughs> it a hundred percent is. You're right. You can't deny it. How old is your dad? Very summer. Good. I want to fuck your dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. We're gonna intercut she's, that, that. She's that. drawn to his his brains. Um, but but like weird like because it's unethical it's it's dirty it's i don't know but tom, tom wilkinson's a big old snack i don't know i guess <laughs> but uh, you know who unfortunately looks great in this movie though mark fucking ruffalo ruffalo yeah ruffalo is he looks handsome. really good in this handsome yeah. as can be the way that his hair is just done just so uh he doesn't quite have the older like post uh mcu ruffalo voice he's kind of yeah, he's like a, he's he's a little skinny guy and like wow this is like <laughs> less than 10 years before hulk time like yeah, a, yeah. in the first avengers yeah he but... comes up eight years prior because he shows up in t- 2012 uh in avengers so this is eight years before that um but he this that movie uh this movie uh he was in two others that also released in, in 2004 what um, is it? He was very busy. Um, I don't know. I'll come. I'll circle back to it. But Mark Ruffalo <laughs> was a busy boy in the indie in the indie circuit. Um, quite the guy. But as soon as he comes on screen, Ryan goes, "Is that Johnny Knoxville?" <laughs> <laughs> he's got the Johnny Knoxville hair, yeah, and the jacket too. It's just like he's cosplaying Johnny Knoxville. And Johnny like, Knoxville yeah. was doing Men in Black too. He was too busy. He was too busy. Uh, what a horrifying. Uh, turn of events that would be if he was in this movie um joe i want to talk about what makes this movie iconic so this movie to me is a film nerd emo myspace scene kids wet dream it is everything about the early 2000s and early 2010s kind of aesthetic kind of vibe everyone was all about hair color punk kind of stuff uh it feeds into the the, the hot topic of it all, you know, uh, everybody mm-hmm. in that, everyone who was in, um, uh, stagecraft in high school or was in performance art theater, local college, that kind of stuff. Loved this movie. Tell you what, were you in stagecraft in high school? I was, is that when you're like behind the scenes on the stage and you have like a, a roll of tape on your belt and like a hammer and stuff? So uh, in my high school, or in our high school, rather, I should say, uh, Ryan and mine's because we went to the same high school, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Stagecraft was the class that you could take uh, where you got to make all of the set pieces and um, everything else that had to do with the theater department that they Just put on for that year. Burgeoning artistic Justin uh, yeah. we have here. Yeah, you're just building set pieces and like, makeshift boats or uh for the this year's rendition of willy wonka and the chocolate factory kind of a thing it's it's very strange um but it was a cool cool ass class but all of the kids who took that class were like gay theater punk rock kids just because that's just the kind of aesthetic my high school didn't have theater um the closest thing we had was mock trial and so (laughs) that's where all the gays went because they could get a little little time to shine there (laughs) It's my time to shine, Jeffrey. <laughs> Objection. It's not court. Brandon, I told you it's not court. <laughs> Sit back down. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, this this movie fits firmly, and you talked about it already, of that early 2000s, uh, early 2010s kind of like mind fuck, fuckery films. 
um, Inception and Memento jumping uh, to mind. Uh, this one, they all kind of play the same sort of game of like, uh, obviously jumbled storylines, um, you know, looking internally, looking at memories, looking at dreams, looking at out of sequence kind of stuff, forgetting, remembering all of that. It was a big trope in, in that time frame uh, of pop culture, which is very interesting, yeah, it, I think. It's it's very much like an alternative to the rom-com. Like it is romantic and it has comedy, but it's also raising questions and like not answering certain things and not concluding certain things that a normal like generic romantic comedy would. Right. Yeah. And so you're diving deeper into the way this relationship decays while also showing how maybe it's being rebuilt once they uh, re-meet each other. Mm -hmm. And it kind of ends on a bit of a question mark. Like I didn't get to that in my plot description, but like essentially the concept here is like they for the bulk of the movie, he's kind of going through his own memories. He's he's talking to his brain version of Clementine, which is Kate Winslet's character and trying to figure out like. Like what what happened here? Like, why? Why did we fall apart? Why did we get together? Um, is it important that I remember you or forget you? And ultimately, those those memories all disappear. And the movie kind of goes full circle to a scene at the beginning where you see them meeting and you realize that's them meeting for the second time because they're just drawn back to each other uh, again. Mm -hmm. And so it in that in that second version of their relationship, they get the 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 Kirsten Dunst nuclear bomb of like Kirsten Dunst re revealing that they both had this procedure done to them. Yeah. Um, and so that obviously throws a wrench into everything. And you think they're kind of kind of break up again. And then there's just this this turning point moment where they realize, like, we should just try it, you know, like one step at a time, like with with the information that we have and where we are right now, like they they know that they want to be together uh, yeah. right now. And I, I love that ending scene so much because mm -hmm. it, it, it perfectly encapsulates the whole thing of the movie. Uh, like you said, they are, after the bombs dropped, they have all this information and they know what's going to happen to them. Um, you know, it's like, you're going to resent me. I'm going to get bored. I'm going to leave and you're going to hate me and all this kind of stuff. And it's just like, okay, yeah, whatever. Let's do it again. Who cares? Because you can't deny that thing. And I think they kind of subconsciously realize that and recognize that, that like we can do this again and like erase each other. But like there's there's just something here that you can't ignore. Right. And it's kind of a credit to like the commitment of the performances that like my last note that I wrote down as this movie was ending was like, this is a bit of a downer for me because I almost I don't kind of don't want them to get back together like I don't think that they're very good for each other I don't think I just think that they'll be repeating the same uh, mistakes and this movie shows like how kind of rotten and like really hurtful those mistakes can be and those moments can be and then mm -hmm. as I was thinking about it more and more over the, the the past few days I was like this movie's about a breakup and with a breakup like no one really understands the ins and outs uh, except for the two people. Exactly. Involved. And yeah. so they, they know what they need. They, they, they know what the other one is fulfilling for them. And so that's what they're feeling. Uh, and it, maybe that all can't be displayed on screen. And so I, as a third party viewer, am like, no, they're toxic for each other. And Kate Winslet's too impulsive and she's just going to do something crazy. And he's going to like shut off uh, yeah. basically. But they there's clearly so much of this relationship that wasn't even shown 
mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. and it's 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 an ultimate lesson in like you only the two people in the relationship really know what they're getting out of it. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's that's really a really interesting uh, insight on it. Right. Because the subject matter of the movie is, of course, very heady. And like you said, sorrowful, sour, sorrowful, a little dour, sourful. a little sourful, full of sour. Um, but I think it is a great commentary and look at a real relationship, toxic or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a great point of like, we as the viewers can't pass judgment on it because they know what's better for them, even if they know it's bad, right? They And they're going to do what they're going to do, um, which is interesting to look at. Um, I love the... Um, the ambiguous nature of like revisiting memories and moments. And like I said earlier, like I kind of wish they would have dove more into the, is this how it actually happened or has too much time passed? And I'm looking at this with rose colored glasses, that kind of stuff. Um, but I uh, loved, Oh, go ahead. Finish the thought. uh, I was going to say like, I, I love kind of like the breaking the fourth wall in a sense of like, this is my own memory and I'm interacting with it. Mm-hmm. And, but and I'm having a conversation with the doctor who I had earlier, you know, a conversation I had earlier, but he's actually me speaking for it. It's, like, it's so cool. Yeah, no, that was that was my thought, too. Like I my favorite parts of the movie when they are in these memories and Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet are acting against each other. They're kind of playing out these scenes and then they both break. Right. Because mm-hmm. Jim Carrey to an extent has like control over like how he behaves in these memories. And so they'll like have this fight and then they'll both kind of like talk about it. And then uh, uh, there's a scene where like they meet for like the second time and uh, they, they replay the conversation. Like they're really into it. And then Kate wins. It's like, I really kind of got you there. Didn't I? Like yeah. when we had that conversation in real life, like I, I, I love that little breaking moment. I bet it was like so fun to act in that case because there's such like a switch there mm-hmm. between like we're in it but then we're switching to we're commenting on it where yeah. we're kind of reviewing it uh and jim carrey goes from acting against clementine to acting against like his little mind doppelganger version of clementine and she's not the real clementine she's like what he knows of clementine so she mm-hmm. she it's it's a trope that kind of comes up in a lot of these you have like Marianne Cotillard in Inception and stuff where it's like, mm. I'm I'm not the real person. I'm like what you envision uh, right. of that real person. And I love it when they comment on that mm-hmm. and how like, I, I, I'm, I'm not 100% Clementine. Like uh, I couldn't be, you need and reality. I'm you. Like I'm your yeah. version of me. Like, so this isn't actually happening. This isn't very real. You're having a conversation with yourself, you crazy person. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of that, I think this movie also has an interesting look and, uh, you know, kinds of shines a light on it, even though they don't specifically call it out of just mental illnesses in general. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, Joel has some sort of avoidant personality disorder, and Clementine definitely has some sort of borderline personality disorder or bipolar mm-hmm. disorder. Um, you know, with her manic kind of, uh, you know, wishy-washy kind of um, um, attitudes and outbursts, and you know, Joel's kind of closed upness like it's really interesting to see i kind of wish they would have spoke more to it it's like the most stressful part of the movie the scene where they're just walking down the street and they're having a nice time in like a street fair and all of a sudden she's like i want to have a baby and And then you can tell he's immediately going through a million thoughts in his mind and trying to figure out in that split second okay 
clearly there's an issue here. What can I say versus not to have her not explode? And of course, he says the wrong thing. The and they, wrong fucking thing. She has like a shouting match in the middle of the crowd. Again, my nightmare. Nightmare. Um, <laughs> nightmare. Yeah, it's it's real, but it's also so stressful because it's so real. It is. And, and there's some of that like embarrassment, hot skin feeling. You're just like, oh, my God, I've been there or like, oh, my God, I can't imagine what would happen if I were there. Mm-hmm. Um uh we talked about this and i would love to circle back to it how this movie and like megan are could easily be black mirrorified mm-hmm. right um but they essentially did that with this movie's concept in uh, i think it was like the second episode of season one of, of black mirror with the entire history of you was that the the eye contact ones like the yeah. contact lenses yeah it was really good a hundred percent, but it, it, that takes like a way darker turn <laughs> to it, but, uh, same kind of thing of just like reliving your memories over and over, mm-hmm. uh, and also retreading in your same mistakes over and over. Um, and that, that one, the clear moral is like, you, you can't live in these memories. You have to go out and experience life. You can't be just like watching television in your eyes. Uh, you mm-hmm. have to interact with the real world around you because mm-hmm. your body needs that on a subconscious level like this is this this movie is all about people acting for their conscious needs and not really paying attention to like what their their minds and bodies actually need to heal in these cases either yeah either keep your mind on the your eye on the prize and move forward or you'll get stuck in the memories or you'll hyper fixate on one thing and your spouse will do the worst thing you could ever imagine (laughs) (laughs) it's it's insane that 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 episode is so heartbreaking I got to go back and watch those early black mirrors. God damn it. They're good. They're so incredible. Uh, Let's talk about the manic pixie dream girl trope, Joe. Um, This is one of them. This is one of them. Although that term wasn't coined until like two or three years later. Um, uh, Or actually one year later by film critic, Nathan Rabin, after seeing Kirsten Dunst in Elizabeth town. I didn't see that. I did not see that. That's kind of the ultimate one. Yeah. She's um, she is a literal like specter in that that only exists in this guy's life. Right. Uh, so like Clementine kind of gives the vibes, but she wholly rejects it. Uh, she has a line where she says, like, I'm not a concept. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to save these guys lives or change their life just because I'm like free spirited or show them something that they've never experienced before. Like, that's not who I am. I'm just me, um, which I think is really neat. But she still gives 100 percent vibes of Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Well, I think like that's kind of where like the initial issues I had with this movie are maybe its strengths in a way like the the issue I had is like you get so many scenes of them fighting and her kind of blowing up and him like not really knowing what to do and saying the wrong things. And by the end of the movie, I'm like, that's just going to keep happening. There's there's nothing that really says to me that that won't keep happening. Right. Right. They didn't go through any sort of crazy metamorphosis, but in a way like that's more realistic and it establishes her as someone that's like maybe a little harder to fix and she doesn't have all the answers to his problems. And so it, it it's like you're saying it goes against the manic pixie trope where she's just existing to kind of help him along his journey. Mm-hmm. Um, they they do end up back where they uh, started in a weird way with with more knowledge. And I do like that the one kind of like thing that evolves in a way is like he he has like this recurring 
argument against her uh, throughout the movie that like she kind of uses sex for a lot of things to like get people to to like her. That's basically like the, that's the one like uh, sore point like he can uh, nail her with. And it, yeah. it's ultimately what causes them to break up the first time. And there's this moment toward the end where they're in kind of like their second version of the relationship and they're coming head to head and they have all of this information. And she's like, that's that's not true. Like, I, like that I don't kind of that. hurt when you said that. And I don't do that. And you can you can imagine it being like he has thought that so often in his head that mm-hmm. it's real to him because yeah. she seems like just the type of tropey girl where that would be the case. Mm-hmm. And so you think like. Oh, if that's not true for her, what else isn't true? What else are we just assuming about her? Right. You know? and, and that's what you hope happens with them is that they take those tapes and they like, obviously take it to fucking therapy. You guys like mm-hmm. take a t- peel back the layer of the onion. We're going back to onions, you know, uh, peel mm. it back and really understand what's going on here and work on yourselves. If you really want this to work, like, look at that. Like, Joel, why do you actually think that about Clementine? Because he has his own insecurity somehow, obviously. Um, or something like that, uh, you know, like definitely take the, take the steps and put in the work now that you have this knowledge of that, like, this is what you guys used to think about each other, even though you have no memory of it. Like this is now your roadmap and that you operate yeah. against that. Um, and maybe, maybe that's the arc of this movie is like, they're both left at the end. They still have their problems. They're not like taking any new medication or anything their their brains are still the same but they have more of an understanding of each other and so yeah individually they might still have problems but maybe their relationship can grow a little bit better yeah you really root for them um there were some other scenes i think that were deleted or in the original screenplay or in the original script uh that they didn't get to uh but i think it was like a flash forward or something like an older clementine comes back in to do the procedure like again to erase Joel, but it's it, but it's for like the 15th time or something like that. See, that would be, that'd be so depressing. Right. (laughs) That would be a black mirror episode. Right. Um, Also like further black mirroring. And this is just a super downer and I'll only touch and go on it. But uh, the original script had um, uh, uh, Tom Wilkinson's character kind of reveal to Mary uh, Kirsten Dunst's character um that there was an illegitimate love child conceived at one point and he convinced her to do in like i was like oh that would have been too much yeah we don't we don't need that in this little like b plot i, I don't know this movie's still kind of like jaunty and upbeat like let's cut that so that was a good choice uh michelle gondry well done mm-hmm. um couple other notable uh mpdgs i'm calling it manic pixie dream girls um <laughs> Natalie Portman as Sam from 2004's Garden State, 100%. Clearly, yeah. Jennifer Lawrence as Tiffany from 2014's Silver Linings Playbook. Okay. And Zoe Deschanel's title character, Summer, from 500 Days of Summer. That's a big one. Yep. I would also throw in um, uh, Ramona Flowers, Scott Pilgrim, uh, which there's obvious like hair dye parallels here, but Mm. she very literally just kind of skates in and changes his life and then skates out. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she exists for Scott Pilgrim, but obviously there's, there's kind of a, they're, they're commenting on the tropiness there as well, which is right. nice. very tongue in cheek. That movie, that movie <laughs> is great. Uh, let's, let's touch real quick on Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. Um, we've already kind of talked about Jim Carrey. You're not super familiar with a lot of his work, but I am. Um, all the movies that you listed, you know, I grew up with those. So I knew Jim Carrey as this comedic leading man 
um, like you said, from Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber, Liar Liar, uh, The Grinch, all this kind of stuff. He's this powerhouse comedic actor. Um, mm-hmm. But I like this role so much for him. He um, playing like this sad, approachable schlub kind of a character is really neat and subdued for him. And that's that's really attractive because he is such a physical kind of performer. Having him just be a dude is really fun to watch and interact with and 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 play with. I bet. Um, he he's done some other serious roles. Uh, he did like this one called like the number twenty three that was mm-hmm. bad. It is not a good movie, but um, <laughs> it's still interesting to see him kind of take those kinds of roles. Yeah, I think this and like the Truman Show are kind of known as his more low key uh uh roles i think that like the the man on the moon movie that mm-hmm. he did um i think a i think a low energy jim carrey like this is always like five steps away from being a serial killer but it's mm-hmm. it it makes it all the better where this movie is kind of tender in how he evolves in a way you he's so awkward and weird at the beginning and then as he enters this relationship with Clementine and as he goes through these memories, he really opens up. He takes control. He ha- he shows his emotions uh, in a more not normal way, but more like expressive way. And I yeah. think this it there's kind of like a sweetness there with mm-hmm. how he uh, where they end up um, in terms of like him. uh getting to the last memory as it's being erased. And there's a whole sequence where they're in this house where they first met because we're doing the memories backwards. And so the last one is when they first met and it's literally just like all crumbling around them. And again, it's that it's that kind of like fourth wall break moment where they're going through the memory and he's like, okay, well it's about to end. And then Kate Winslet kind of breaks and she's like, what if you kind of just stayed? Um, and he has to go through this whole level of like acceptance. Um, and you can, you can really see the growth there between someone who's like not really (laughs) wanting to interact or know how to interact with people at the beginning of the film towards someone now who has gone through a full relationship and has experience there and has a level of caring for this person, but also knows it's important to forget about her for now. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, lo- I love that last kind of like as we enter that last memory of like, this mm-hmm. is where I first saw you on the beach with the, the the jacket, the sweater. I would come to hate that sweater, that orange one. But um, this is where we first met. And she's talking to him, you know, their first interaction on the steps. Um, and she's like, this is it, Joel. This is the last one. This is the last memory. It's going to be go over soon. Like, and he's like, I know I'm going to enjoy it. And I think it's so great. I just I just love it so much. Uh, it's I, so melancholy and sad, but it's just like, what else can you do? You know, I have two notes here. Um, when the film started and it's like, we, we mentioned how the camera's very handheld. It looks like, it looks like it's very much made on a budget. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, what actually is the budget for this movie? Because these sets are intricate and they are trashing all of them. In various <laughs> ways. Yeah, they are. They, like drown his apartment. Basically they, they rain everything uh, because it's like dream logic. Oh, it's raining now and it's in the apartment. And then they go to this like beach house where through CGI or practical effects, it's like falling apart around them. And I was like, what, what actually is 
CGI, what's practical here? This movie is a lot more intense from a technical standpoint than you initially think it is. You think it's kind of like a student project at first. And then it's like, right. there's again, like that subtle, those subtle touches that uh, you barely notice. Uh, My favorite touches are like the, the student filmness of it, of just like, how would you interpret going through your dreams labyrinth kind of a thing? And it's like, oh, well, it's dark and you shine a spotlight on them. And that's yeah. kind of what, and it's like, it's, it works. There's it's, a flashlight tied to the camera and that's all I'm seeing. But like, that's, that, that plays so well. And, and I think mm -hmm. it, it's really brilliant. Um, Jim Carrey's character in this, Joel, reminds me a little bit of like early season one, two, and three, Jim Helpert, John okay. Krasinski from The Office of just kind of like tall, little, like little aimless, hair, little aimless, kind of shy, kind of quippy, that kind of stuff. And I think it's just really relatable. It's really fun. Um, Kate Winslet is a goddamn amazing triumph in this. She carries the movie to me. She is the, uh, you know, when you think of this movie first, you know, you think of her hair and the color and the, and the silly madness stuff that she brings to it. She is admittedly, you know, at the beginning when you first meet the characters, you know, you think Joel is kind of like this shy seashell type of a, a human kind of like tense and all that, all that. But Kate Winslet is so abrasive and just like, eh, she's coming off too strong. She's a difficult person. Like <laughs> Ryan was saying, like, Jolt, like, run. You want no part of this. Like, you leave can't, her. You can't her ever say the right thing around her. Yeah. And it's just like, you were walking on eggshells the whole time. Um, a little too manic at first, but I think she becomes, through his memories, more rounded by the end um, and, and just really empathetic characters both of them at the end of just like these are just real people going with real problems living in the real world you know yeah and that i mean that that was going to be like my second note i think the strength of this movie comes in obviously the screenplay and i wanted to point out like this is the third movie we've covered that won the screenplay oscar and so back when we had our oscar uh our, our month of uh, oscar miniseries back in april April, mm -hmm. I think yep. we covered the social network and Moonstruck. Both of those won uh, the screenplay Oscar among others. Yep. And so I think we were really drawn to these movies where um, so much of the story can be expressed in these like small, but potent one liners. And so much of what makes the movie iconic is the script rather than necessarily like the visual the grandeur. Right? Yeah. 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 That's what I think of when I think of this movie is the, the, the back and forths, some of the visual aspects, X aspects of it, but it really is just the relationship. I want to touch on this one quick thing. We'll go through the iconic lines and scenes, and then we'll get into the end games. Um, this movie has a really interesting tie to one of my most favorite bands ever called uh, Circus Survive, the band called Circus Survive. Their album from 2005, Juturna, as a whole, is inspired by the film. Um, it's rumored that like you can sync up the movie and the album and it kind of plays together. But um, certain songs from that album, uh, song titles, uh, Oh, Hello and Fear and Faith. And the last track is called Meet Me in Montauk. Uh, all have references to the lines uh, throughout the film. And it's really cool. And um, there's a song on there called Wish Resign, which, of course, references the Pope Alexander poem, which is super cool. Um, I think you could you can see this movie syncing up with an album in a way there's there's high points there's low points and they're all about like three to five minutes long you know there's like ethereal so we, bits, yeah. <laughs> we go through the whole movie as we're listening to songs absolutely 
a couple iconic scenes and stuff that I love so much. Uh, we've touched on most, if not all of these. Um, navigating his thoughts with the spotlight effect, the cars falling from the sky, the reverse of the, sh- the street as he's trying to chase her. The final beach house uh, scene uh, with the house crumbling is great. I love the baby Joel scene where he's hiding <laughs> under the table. The forced perspective of him being a child and her being his babysitter is really a neat, uh, a, a neat thing to look at. Um, some quotes that I love so much, uh, constantly talking isn't necessarily communicating. And then that leads mm-hmm. to another big fight. Amazing. Um, Mary says adults are like this mess of sadness and phobias and like more truth has never been said by a person on, on celluloid. Um, and then this, this one of the last lines that he's listening to the tape at the very end, um, before they have the hallway scene, you know, what a loss to spend that much time with someone only to find out she's a stranger. And it's just, mm. uh, uh, it hurts. Uh, but damn it, this movie is amazing. Yeah. I, I talked about like the part that really got me was, uh, with the Tom Wilkinson and Chris Kirsten Dunst moment where the wife finds out they're, they're kissing and she, right before she drives off, she's like, Oh, just tell her. And then she turns to Kirsten Dunst and it's so simple. She basically says like, you can have him. You did. Yeah. And then you drive cool. off. And then I was, it took me a second to realize like what that what actually that meant. Mean? And then I was like, ah, damn uh, it. <laughs> it's, it's such a, it's, it's the simplest way to convey so much uh, that has been building up for half this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the screenplay and um, the, the, the writer writers on this movie just did a masterful job. Final thoughts, Joe, of this head trip of a movie. What did you think going into it and what did you take away from it? Going into it, I knew about its Oscar history. I knew uh, kind of stoic Jim Carrey was going to be a thing. Uh, I didn't really know too much about the story. I knew it was like about memory erasure and stuff. Um, In the midst of it, I felt like it was more of a bad shroom trip than a breakup movie. Yeah. Um, In terms of like, again, like so much stressful, discordant, like noises and people not caring about like making messes and stuff Mm -hmm. like, oh, but I think that's that's kind of where the Kaufman bit comes in. And then coming out the other end of it, um, I respect it as a movie that is maybe a more accurate portrayal of how complex and not able to be understood relationships can be other Mm -hmm. than the, the people within them. Great. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, on, on a scale of one to 10 erasers, how many, how many (laughs) erasers would you get this movie? (laughs) I'll give it an eight An eight. And you would recommend to friends who's never seen it before. Amazing. That's great. We did it. Uh, cheers to you, Joe. We'll cap off this episode with this. Uh, and we'll talk about our cocktails. So obviously, the first thing my brain went to was, uh, uh, shit, what is it called? Hang on. Scroll, scroll, scroll. It's called a mind eraser. Mind Ooh. Eraser. Yeah. All right. It's equal parts coffee liqueur, vodka, and club soda. And it it is delicious. This coffee liqueur made myself, baby. I don't remember oh. how, so don't ask me. Well, your mind was erased, clearly. Um, That's How right. was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, we made that last week. Don't oh you my remember? God. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to fuck with you mo- most of the episode and um, I just couldn't commit to it. <laughs> too much of a bit, too long. Yeah, too long. Um, 
what do you got? I'm drinking. I'm drinking what I'm calling the Eternal Clementine. Um, so it is composed of any ingredients you have, but they have to be orange. Uh, because there's there's so much about Clementine's hair and name and the tangerine of it all in this movie. Um, so what I have here is a dash of Aperol, Grand Marnier, Triple Sec, passion fruit liqueur, and orange bitters, and then I topped it off with Italian blood orange soda. Damn, that sounds very citrusy. <laughs> no scurvy in the in the Murphy House tonight. That's amazing. My, my toes are very healthy. <laughs> the healthiest toes you've ever seen. That's great. I'm so glad you ha- you enjoyed this movie. Um, it's it's iconic for a number of of, of reasons, um, but but it sits firmly in the the uh, indie art house film sweetheart circle. It is you know I think it's one of Jim Carrey's greatest roles. I think it's Kate one of Kate Winslet's greatest roles. Um, and this movie is just you know it it's. It's an interesting commentary on heartbreak, memory, and trying to attain, attain perfection by like erasing the spots. But um, uh, I just appreciate this movie for just like how real it is and how it feels. It feels honest to me, and it's really cool. It's cool to look at. It's pretty. It's a cool movie. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, I am taking us into endgame territory, Joe. This uh, game we're going to play, I'm calling Emo or No. Uh, it's a simple game, Joe. I'm going to read you a line or two, and I want you to tell me if these are lyrics to a popular emo punk song or not. It's a simple emo or no. It's a yes or no, essentially. All right. So I'll say um, emo or no. That's right. That's what you got to do. But um, here's the intro video. And I've seen this trend on TikTok a couple times. Um where do, are you familiar with the genre midwest emo no midwest emo uh it, you're gonna get a taste for it here but it's like melodical kind of get interesting guitar work interesting guitar tunings uh and a lot of them have like bits of dialogue from like a show or a movie or something at the beginning in the intro of the song before the song kicks in and okay it's, and it's about like how your mom did you wrong or whatever but um it's a trend. Like I've seen people take scenes from like the office or, or something like that. And people are just playing guitar over it. So I made one of those and we're going to post this to TikTok, and we're going to see if we can't get this to go viral. Would uh, the fray be considered emo? No, I'm not going to do very well at this game. No, <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, but here we go. We're going to play uh, emo or no. Because that's what happens with me. 
If I had long hair, I would swoop it back. Justin, uh, you're so talented. Thank you. I have a praise thing. So, like, thank you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, all right. Question we'll, number one. We'll, I'm going to read you. We'll later. talk off mic. Okay, we'll take that offline. Um, <laughs> uh, emo or no? It's simple yes or no. I'm going to read you a line uh, of lyrics, and you just tell me if this was an actual real emo song or no. Okay. <clears throat> Question one. Fact is, growing up ain't pretty forevermore. Those words seem weird to string together, so I'm going to say emo. It's not. It's God damn uh, it. chat GPT, baby. Uh, oh, you the ones did that, chat GPT? The ones that aren't are chat GPT. I'm I'll take a, this. I'll take a screenshot of the prompt. <laughs> <laughs> Question two. The truth is you could slit my throat and with my one last gasping breath, I'd apologize for bleeding on your shirt. I'm going to say emo. I don't think chat GPT is allowed to recommend violent stuff like that. <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, that is emo. That is the song. You're so last summer by taking back Sunday. Hell yeah. Question three. He tastes like you only sweeter. That's got to have appeared in at least one song. Emo. That is emo. That is Thanks for the Memories by Fall Out Boy, which is actually a oh, line. I know that. Which is actually a line from the movie Closer, bitterly confessed by Julia Roberts to Jude Law. <laughs> it's such a fucked up. Oh, no, no, not to Jude Law. Sorry. To uh, Clive, Clive Owen. Clive, Clive Owen. Owen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, emo. A, it's about Jude Law. Jude Law tastes sweeter than Clive Owen. Fact. Um, question four In the shadows of my heart, where the broken records play, I'm a masterpiece of scars. That's not emo. That's not emo. Chat That's GPT bullshit. Robot. That's a robot. <laughs> That's too tryhard. <laughs> well done. Uh, question five: A kaleidoscope of love's imperfections. That's not emo. That's not emo, Joe. Well done. You got a <laughs> taste for it. You got a taste for it. <clears throat> Number six. And I am finally seeing why I was the one worth leaving. That's pretty emo. That's quite emo. Yes, that is the district sleeps alone tonight by the postal service. Okay. <clears throat> Question seven. I'm the lead in a tragedy painting heartbreak in shades of gray. No, that's not emo. You're right. <laughs> <clears throat> Question eight. I already forgot how I used to feel about you. No. That is emo. God damn it. I already mentioned this earlier. That is the song Meet Me in Montauk by Circus Survive about this movie. Uh, number nine. Number nine, Joe. I need you so much closer. Was that also from the movie Closer? Um, <laughs> That's where they say the title of the movie. <laughs> um... Not emo. That is emo. That is God from the song it. Transatlanticism by Death Cab for Cutie. Last song, Joe. Uh, growing up, they said, would be a piece of cake, but it feels like I'm dancing on a rusty rake. 
I can't keep that, a straight face. That's not emo. <laughs> that's not emo. <laughs> Chat GPT with the bangers, dude. I I love that you use Chat GPT. It's like it's that little. It's again, it's that little subtle evil technology that we're we're dealing with here. See, that's um, what it, that's, it's very in line. That's what AI should be used for, not for like taking taking jobs or anything. It's just for doing stupid shit like this. It's podcast quizzes. <laughs> Joe, I didn't keep score, but I think you did okay. You did pretty good. You I got had a like good a run. Plus. Yeah, you did a you had a good run in the middle there. Um, well, I'll report back and see how you did. But Joe, that was uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, what a hell of good a movie. Time. Good, good movie. movie. Good movie, not bad movie. Um, yeah. Well Glad done. Glad it exists. Me too. Uh, uh, has tremendous replay value, uh, if I must say so myself. Um, yeah, so uh, so we won't see you for the rest of the month, which is totally fine. Um, we are no strangers to that. But this time, we're not going to scramble like we did last time in the summer where we did uh, Terminator 2. So uh, the next episode in the next couple of weeks or whatever, Ryan and I are going to get together back in the living room. We're doing UCU after dark. Uh, or no, no, after bedtime. That's right. That's that's what it is. Because after we put our kid to sleep, we jump in the living room and jump on the hot mics. And we're going to be talking about the seminal classic, Interstellar. Christopher! <laughs> I already kind of had this movie and an arrival. I wanted to do this movie and arrival. Next time Ryan and I did, a, did an episode. Um, but then you sent me that TikTok of how Hans Zimmer came up with the the amazing thematic uh, score piece yeah. Interstellar, and it just is a fucking riot. <laughs> it's a sign from the universe. We're doing that episode. That's what we're doing. So thanks. Half Wish half of the episode needs to be talking about the score. I'm sorry. I am so excited. I love Interstellar. I looked up like earlier this week, like how to play just like the basic part of it. And it's super simple. It's really cool. It's like, so it's, like dun, 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 yeah, it's like, dun, dun, it's like five dun. notes and three chords. Like, what do you want? From <laughs> like it's soup. It's deceivingly simple, but it's amazing. Um, so I can't wait to talk about that one. We'll have to do another call in uh, uh, piece where you send us a video and you can, I think I can us, manage that. Give us your two cents on interstellar. I know you love that movie so much. Uh, I kind of feel bad that you won't be there to talk about it, but this is that's why you get to do do your video. Input. I'll try and find a farm that I can set fire to, and I'll film in front of that. <laughs> <laughs> Murph, or or sh- do it in like a chair with the 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 camera fixed on you, and just cry uncontrollably uh, at, at us. <laughs> Excellent. I'm going to age thirty years over the course of the video, but it was only twenty minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> that was eternal sunshine of the spotless mind uh here on the uncultured cinematic universe thanks for joining us be sure to catch us wherever you get your pods casted at uh check us out on youtube uh where we have one strike uh we're bad boys now kind of badass it's pretty badass it's like we we're, motorcycle. we're in we're in the back corner at recess we're kind of like passing around a single cigarette <laughs> it's the one cigarette that's like been in so many mouths ew <laughs> You uh, gross, but yeah, we're super cool. Check us out there on on YouTube, also uh, at UCU Podcast uh, on Instagram, and we're on TikTok too at UCU Podcast as well, uh, or Uncultured Pod. I can't remember. Just check us out. Check us out wherever you can. Just do the search Uncultured Cinematic Universe. Catch us later. Have a good day. See you.
Bye.